we see that here the Lord must put the condemnation. These will receive greater condemnation. What about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, Sadducees, these scribes? What about the hypocrisy? Well, there's nothing on the inside that is really living this truth out from what is Scripture. They have all the symbols, the clothing, everything that identifies them as as great leaders. They have no reality. They're void of spiritual life. The symbols are just endless. They go on and on. All the trappings that a church will have, all the things on the inside of it, the ceremonies, but the absence of real spiritual life is what is happening. And uh, so we, we see that they pray, they offer long prayers. Watch out for those guys that offer something that has nothing in it really. They don't have anything to say. They'll string out their prayers and keep repeating things over and over and over. It's like a mantra. And Jesus talked about that, I think, as in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, where they uh, have endless repetition. Just say it 50 times. Say it 100 times. And do that every day. And of course, the Eastern religions will practice those kind of things. And uh, you see where that gets them. So, people who think that if they're religious, they'll receive less condemnation. They're not going to get as much condemnation or judgment because at least they're religious, at least they're good, and uh, you know they, they look good. People can't imagine that God would take these people here or people like them, the religious people of our day, that He would take them and put on a harder condemnation. And that's what Jesus is saying. These are the people that He disliked because of where their hearts were at. And they're agents of Satan. They're called sons of hell. When you see that Matthew 23... Um, and understand the judgment that he is pronouncing there, it is quite incredible. We tend to think that, well, maybe you ought to back off a little bit there, right? No. Well, people will say, well, there's good in all people. There's good in all religions. You know, let's just get along. God loves all the religions. You know, they're, they're trying hard. And I think of the, about the people who go over to India and actually put all their time and effort into some people that are that are poor, that are helpless, and that's quite commendable humanly. But then when they say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but they have a different religion. And besides, we're all on the same road. It's okay. I never tell them that they need Jesus Christ because they're, they're, they're okay. Yes, I'm a Christian, they will say. You see, what's deluding to people is the fact that, yes, they're doing some good things. And there are a lot of people who do a lot of great things, but they will receive a greater condemnation. These guys looked like they were really doing it, didn't they? They had the whole nation as a whole deceived. And they were totally wrong. 
They apostatized. And they actually believed in the Creator God of the Old Testament. And they brought it to... The truth that they had brought it to a self-righteous system. And that is why there are really only two kinds of religions. It's by grace that we're saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's by believing in Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins, as He gives us the grace to be able to do that. And uh, he, he is just separating it right in two here when we would say, yeah, but they, they look like they're really doing good. And Jesus, though, says, I reject them. Their hell will be hotter than everybody else. Wow. So don't let religion fool us, right? Now it gets into the next section, part two. Beware. We we already said, beware. Now we say, be aware. Be aware of sacrificial giving. It's a good thing. And so Jesus here now changes things. He's been teaching. He's been teaching the public. And it says in verse 41, and he sat down opposite the the treasury. Crowds, all those other people, the disciples. And it changes pace as he goes to this area makes a strange turn, sits down opposite of where the treasury or the these places where you put your money at. And people are in there watching too. And they would sit down. Often it would be the place to sit down and watch. You know, you've gone to like, a, I don't know, back in the old days you'd go to places like Main Street or High Street and there would be places that you'd kind of sit and watch or sit in your car and just watch people, you know. And Out at the mall now, I guess you could say that's one, uh, another place where people would, uh, I don't know if they have seats, but maybe they might stand and kind of watch whatever. Kind of interesting. People just watch people. Well, these people would be there and they would uh, watch people come to the treasury. And they would cheer people at some of the things that they would do as they would put in a lot of money into the treasury. And Jesus is sitting there like they would do and He's watching everything. Just watching it all go uh, during that, that day. One thing is He knows their motives. He knows what's really going there. And I think that um, applies to us too. You know, He's watching us. And we know we're in Christ. He knows we're in Christ. Isn't it a good thing that we know that He's watching us? It's you know, if we're doing something we know it's not His will, then we don't really want Him watching us, right? But He's watching us all the time. He's watching this. It's a, I'm glad that He watches over us, like like He watches over the sparrows, he watches over us. His eyes on the sparrow. Well, the treasury is like a a spot in the court of the women. The women's court. Remember, there's the Gentiles' court and the women's court and the men's court. Well, this is where this would be, where the people could sit down. and It was kind of a popular spectacle, really. And in here, in this treasury, are these chests that are shaped like trumpets. It's like 13 of them. That's the treasury. A line of them. 
a line of kind of like trumpets where they'd come along and put it in there. And in the Mishnah, in their writings, they would have different designations for each one of these trumpet-looking things, uh, like for sacrifices, like the turtle doves, that's for that, uh, the wood for burning on the altar, the pigeons that they'd have, so each one you could put in into that. And then the rest, uh, I believe, would be six of them, were labeled free will offerings, giving what you would. And here come along these rich people, uh, it says in 41, he sat down opposite the treasury, began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums. Large sums. Rich people. Crowds of people are coming into here. Crowds of people are actually putting money into these receptacles, like the trumpets. And people love to see the wealthy people come in because they might be bringing in bags of coins. They have no paper money. They don't have a dollar bill or five, or a hundred dollar bill. It's all coins. And when you put it into these trumpet-like things, you hear the clanging. And they go down and, and then hit. And people hear that. And people will be cheering when they see somebody that has put a load of money in there. They'd pour out their whole bags and rattle, rattle in these containers. So what a spectacle this came. This became quite the, the ordeal, something to uh, look forward to, to see how certain people would be giving. Hard to imagine, isn't it? Mark tells us Jesus watched rich people, many rich people. I don't know how long it was. There were many rich people, and he's watching. And not necessarily that all of them were wrong, but he knows their hearts. We wouldn't be able to see into that. But the crowd is like ooing and awing as they would hear these vast sums of money being put into the treasury. And if you have a lot of people doing it at the same time, it's quite a noise going on. And then the people are uh, ooing and awing and yelling and clapping. How the coins are rattling into the chest. The rich people. And then verse 42. A poor widow came, put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent, and calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Now I think she could probably have thought, of a whole host of reasons why she shouldn't put these two coins, her last two coins, in there. Surely, God knows that I have to live on these. Now, we're, And we're not talking in here that somebody has to go to an extreme and give every last cent that you have and everything that you own. That, that is not what this is teaching. As a matter of fact, in one sense, it's almost like she's a victim of how the way that it is to give. I'm not giving her any negative vibes here because I, I think there's a lesson to be learned in all that, but there it is. Regardless, I think she really wants to give to the Lord here. But she's not aware, and people certainly are not watching how much she's going to put in these treasury trumpets. 
She's not aware that Jesus Christ, the Son of David, is even watching her. The most important person in the universe is watching this lady that nobody cares about. I think that's rather interesting. And Jesus uses it as a point to teach the disciples. And from here on out, that's really what He's going to do. He's going to be teaching the disciples. Because He said all that He has needed to say to everybody else. There's nothing that's going to change their minds. Now, she has these coins. They're called leptos. Smallest coin there is in circulation. You can't get any smaller than these. We still have the pennies, right? Are they still around? Yeah. Okay, that's our smallest coin we have, right? She put both the coins in the offering. Now, you would think, okay, she could have put one into the offering and kept one back. That's giving half. I mean, that's 50%. That's pretty big right there, isn't it? But she put in everything. That's quite amazing. All that she had to give was given right there. She's, she's given to God. Now, how this money is used is another thing. But um, she's giving out of her own free will here. Um, she's just leaving, I think, in one sense, her future with God. Okay, here it is. This is like, let's say, Wednesday. Right? That's what we've been saying. This weekday is Wednesday. and So, she doesn't get paid till Friday. She doesn't have any food. She probably gets gets food um, every day. You, you get enough food, maybe enough to be able to live till the next day. That's basically how many people lived at that time. They didn't have food in the cupboards. didn't have food in the refrigerators because they didn't have refrigerators because they didn't have electricity. Thomas Edison wasn't around there at that time. But anyway, what we have here, I think, is a good picture of, of a sacrificial giving, giving everything that she had she didn't give to get anything in return. And if payday is a few days off, or who knows how long, um, she gave her two leptus. Now, it would be a good psychology that, hey, if you give, then you'll get back. And there is a passage, give and you'll get even more in return. But that doesn't necessarily mean money. Or it doesn't necessarily mean physical things, material things. It does. God takes care of us in amazing ways. I mean, we have more things than all of man throughout the history of man. I mean, it's incredible, all the things that we have. But He blesses us with food. Every one of us has food in the cupboards, in the refrigerators. And if we don't have much there right now, we know that we can go right to the store and as soon as church is over, and go get that. You know, I mean, it's always available to us. It's it's there. Let me tell you, there's a wretched theology. God, if I give this, then I know that you'll give not only that back, but much more. That you'll give me everything. Well, there is a sense, that, yes, He does take care of us. But if we're giving for the fact that we'll get more back, our motives are absolutely wrong. That is what the teaching was back then and it is what the teaching of much of theology is today. I would hope it's not, but it sure seems like that if you turn on the TV. How do you measure real sacrifice? How do you measure that? By what you give? I think in this sense, it's by what you keep. (laughs) She didn't keep anything. (laughs) She gave what she had. I think 
the fundamental difference between her and this first group of people that we were talking about it's a matter of the heart we see an inward thing here versus what people thought was the epitome of the leadership of Israel how spiritual people should be and so the heart's Or what Jesus looks at. She gave all. She surrendered all. And we know that if we don't have love and we still give things, then we gain nothing, right? If I own, own it all, and it's not done as a cheerful offering or out of a love offering, then it's really nothing. But in this sense, this small gift that she gave, very, very small as far as value goes to mankind, no gift is too small to give to God. No time is too small to give to God. No talent is too insignificant. No gift is too insignificant to give to God. And that applies to our times, doesn't it? Everything that He has given us, He owns, whether it be material things. The eternal life He gave to us. I mean, everything that we have really comes from Him. We know that. He owns it all. And when we really come to that conclusion, it starts putting our hearts into the right kind of commitment. If we know that, oh... This is His. I just want to do with it with what He wants. That's called stewardship. And uh, this woman actually gives up what represents kind of her life. Here it is. I'm surrendering all this right there. And we know that Jesus did that as He gave up His life and surrendered that. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let's pray. Father, You are a great God. You keep showing us this Jesus who is amazing. We are in awe. Absolute respect. Honor. It's one who judges, but for His own, He watches over them. He takes care of them. He does it in ways that we would never imagine. And this shows a little bit more of who Jesus is in light of Scripture. By the Holy Spirit, may uh, it ex- that view expand in our minds that the sinful things that are in the heart where people are not repentant of He does bring exceeding judgment upon. And especially if they're religious and leading people to hell. And then, as He watches over His own children, we realize that we have been given so much. And oh, how we need to use it in this kingdom that we now live so that it would 
shine the light upon Jesus Christ. And the light is being put into us as we have Christ in our lives that we can show who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.